celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And here at Animal Radio, we love us some dogs, we love us some cats, and we love us some chickens. Chick- chickens again? Chickens. Chickens. <laughs> we are having supermodel Summer Rain on today. Summer Rain Oaks. And as uh, Lori said earlier, is that her real name? Of course it's her real name. It's on her birth certificate. What a crazy question that is. But she is unlike any model that you know. And I hate to stereotype or generalize, but let me tell you, this young lady here, you're going to like her, Dr. Debbie. She loves bugs. Oh. <laughs> she actually went to Cornell to study etymology, which oh, is... Oh, I really like her now. <laughs> In her, like I understand, and we'll ask her about this. I understand in her house, she has really kind of an ecosystem where she has to release certain bugs to counteract beneficial other bugs. insects. Beneficial though. insects yes. is what they call them, yes. which is very strange. But most importantly, she has a chicken, and this chicken is like her favorite pet friend, whatever you want to call it. This chicken is mostly with her all the time, wherever she goes, on the subways, to photo shoots. Yeah. And apparently it was a, a foster failure situation with her. She fell in Well, she's with- quick to point out, too, that, that um, the chicken, Kippy, is not her emotional support animal. Yes. That she is the emotional support human for the chicken. We're, <laughs> we're going to find out more about this coming up in just a few minutes with Summer Rain Oaks right here on Animal Radio. Also, do your pets dream? Yes. Sure. Oh, so. yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. You see their little legs kicking and they're twitching. twitching and in that. What are they dreaming? Ah, hmm. now that's the question. We're going to try to find out with Dr. Deirdre Barrett. She is an author and a psychologist who teaches at Harvard, and she's known for her research on dreams, hypnosis, and imagery. She's written a, a book on evolutionary psychology. Remind me to ask her if we should wake them up while they're dreaming. You do that, Judy, don't you? You wake your dog up when, when she's having when a bad she's dream. crying, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll remind you to ask her that, okay? Thank you. Someone remind me to remind her. Okay, I'll remind you to remind her, too. <laughs> I can't remind anybody because I'm going to forget. Yeah, I already did. We'll also be talking about noise phobias on today's show and those noises that scare your animals and what to do about them. Uh, but first, your calls for Dr. Debbie or Joey Volani. Yes, he's here to answer your calls, too. one 405 8405 You can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. And at the bottom of every hour, we do a news check with Miss Lori Brooks. Or should I say Dr. Lori Brooks? Because you've got to be a doctor or something, right? You're so smart. No, I'm, I'm a nurse, actually, but no. You are? I'm not a doctor. You're no, smarter I'm, than some doctors. I am a nurse, yes. <laughs> A human nurse. Yes, a human nurse. We have to clarify because (laughs) we call veterinary nurses too. Do you really? I've often wondered that. I heard it in one vet office and I thought, that's interesting. I've never heard that before. They're actually looking at making some more standardized terminology towards that. So um, it's kind of up and coming. But yeah, some places do it just so people can relate to who the staff member is that they're looking at, you know, so that they understand nurse. Technician doesn't mean a whole lot to them. Right, right. Well, coming up, I'm going to tell you about um, there is a new social media network coming out, but it is only for wildlife. Really? And how, yeah, how, how humans will uh, be able to participate in that, but still keep it a, you know, animals only thing. It's a great idea. I'm so intrigued. I'm wondering how this wildlife uh, 
like something with their little uh, yeah. toes and things. I Without mean, you know, that they type? thumb, that's yeah. kind of difficult. No opposable thumb. We're going to find out at the bottom of this hour with Lori Brooks. First, your calls. Let's see. Hey, Randy. Hey, how you doing? Doing good. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from uh, Orange, California. Okay, listening on Coast, I assume. How can we help you? The whole team is here for you. Okay, well, I was calling. Uh, I just have a little anxiety. My dog, uh, she is uh, about four and a half years old, and she is she pulled up limp a couple months ago where she wouldn't use her right leg. I took her to emergency, and they did uh, a battery of tests and x-rays, and the vet said that she saw dysplasia in both Ooh, okay. her elbows. And so then I took her, they referred me to a surgeon, which I took to, and uh, they were showing me, and I could see the dysplasia in the x-rays, but he showed me these little pieces that he said were in there and said that we should do surgery. But mm-hmm. since she pulled up, it's been over two months, she's only had an incident like once, and it lasted mm-hmm. like a day and a half. I kept her on bed rest. But it's like she runs and plays and nothing happens and every once in a while. So it's like I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing. Sure. I'm scheduled sure. for the 12th for her surgery, but I just you know, don't want to put her through it. Everybody says, well, she's young enough. Do it now. And so I'm just confused. <laughs> sure. Now, in what kind of breed was she again? She is a golden mix. Okay, golden retriever mix. Okay, well, yeah, if I could, yeah. if I could have made a like standard case description of a breed for elbow dysplasia, I would say either a golden retriever or a Labrador retriever. Um, yeah. Just meaning, I do see it a lot in those breeds, as well as you know some others: German Shepherds, Mastiff, um, and even Dachshunds on the small side of the crew. Oh wow. Yeah, so elbow dysplasia is kind of the equivalent of hip dysplasia, but in a different joint. And the most typical time we would notice this, if if we were fortunate enough to pick it up, is sometimes as young as 6 to 12 months of age. So in some cases with young dogs um, that have kind of, kind of occasional limping when they're young, um, it could be sometimes the first hint that we have a problem, but a lot of times it really doesn't manifest at that young age, so we don't know about it until they get a bit older and we start to get the arthritis um, developing in there. Right. So the trick with um, elbow dysplasia and what I would advise, and I think you know, pretty standardly most surgeons would advise, is that the sooner we can intervene with surgery, then the better uh-huh. chance of it being of benefit. Um, and that does depend, you know, I'm not on the ground and looking at your pet and the x-rays and so forth, but um, that's in general. So I would f- much rather um, recommend and follow through with surgery in a younger pet than an older pet because once we're older, we typically are going to have a lot more degenerative changes. Um, right. And the elbow, jo- the elbow joint isn't really a joint that we have a lot of room in there. So it's it's a hinge joint. So when they start to get these what we call osteophytes, which are basically mm-hmm. little pieces is a bone that starts to develop uh, associated with the arthritis. It limits the the range of motion of the joint, but it causes pain. So that takes a long time for those things to develop and see on an x-ray. So we'd rather catch these cases early, do surgery, and, you know, we're always going to have some arthritis. We know that's going to always be the case, but they have better return to function and less arthritis if, if we intervene when they're younger before we get a lot going on there. You know, I asked, um, uh, her name is Nunu. And uh, I asked her, uh, which means little girl in Chinese, uh, but I asked our primary vet, and she goes, I go, Dr. Vanny, I says, that's uh, 
God, she's only four years old. And she says, well, that's a lot of times when it develops. You know, it's not like when they're 12 years old. Yeah. And then the only distinction with surgery that I do feel makes a difference um, is that there's two different uh, ways that we can approach surgery on a joint. One is arthroscopically, which is going in with like a small camera. And then there's arthrotomy, where we cut open the area to visualize what's going on in there. Um, and and certainly in my area, most of the surgeons do the arthroscopy, where they go in with a very minimal approach, um, and um, only if necessary will they actually try to open. Because we know if we open up that area, it's going to create arthritis in its own way. So they do try to do a minimally invasive approach to this to yeah, um, that's have the, the best recovery. Yeah, that's what the doctor is doing, that approach, which makes me feel better. And is this Dr. Debbie I'm speaking with? It is, yes. Oh, okay. You know, I listen to you every day. I work for a hospital here in Southern California, and I have Uh to go to our campus every Sunday, so I always make sure I got it on the the right station to listen to you. And actually, in the first, you know, I I have insurance for both my dogs, Uh, but, uh, you know, they'd mentioned about the stem cell. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I remember a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to you, and you were saying that you found that laser was working for you with the dogs as opposed to stem cell? Just mostly because in my hands, I have a laser for stem cell. Uh-huh. You know, That's done at our um, referral institution. Um, right. But with laser therapy, yeah, it does allow us to do management kind of on a tailored uh, basis. So we can start off at more frequent and then taper down to less often and... Um, yeah, and I find it's very well tolerated. So for a pet like yours, I would say, you know, surgery, I would say I would certainly consider that. But it still means you're going to have those other things afterwards. We're going to keep her weight in check, not let her get fat. And then we're going to have um, uh, joint support with nutraceuticals like glucosamine. And then um, we may also need, you know, either some pain medication, anti-inflammatories, or these other modalities like laser therapy and so forth. Okay. Um, but you know, your specialist may also offer stem cell, and you can certainly ask them because um, you know that might be something to talk to them while while she's there. You know, I've checked this doctor out really well and everything, but the only thing confused me. I emailed him, and then I asked him, "Will she be able to use the stairs afterwards?" And he replied, "Yes." But then when I was talking to the surgical tech and we we're scheduling her surgeries, uh, she said no. So that kind of confused me. But I can carry her. She's 60 pounds. Yeah. I would say post immediately post-operatively, I'd say no. That might be too much to expect while she's in the healing phase. But down the road, yeah, yeah I, I can't imagine that would be a problem. Yeah, I took two weeks off work for to be oh, with her. So. Good for you. Sure hard. For you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Randy, thank you so much for your call today. And thank you for listening. And good luck with Nunu. Let us know how it goes, okay? I will. And I feel better about going ahead with it. And I appreciate all you guys. Take, take care of yourself. Uh, we'll head back to the phones, toll-free, 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to the Dream Team right now. And don't forget, if you have a Yorkshire Terrier, a Shih Tzu, a Pug, or a Mini Schnauzer, check out Dr. Debbie's Kindle books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. Links from AnimalRadio.pet. Hit the As Heard on Animal Radio button to get anything you've heard on today's show. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Pets Welcome Here. I'm Ashley Mingwasser, and this is my pal Rosie from Pets Welcome Here, the TV special about amazing adventures you can share with your pets. Find Pets Welcome Here on your local network affiliate or PetsWelcomeHere.tv. 
and check our schedule to see when we're on in your area. Hi, this is Jamie Farr, and you're listening to the Animal Radio Network. And remember to spay and neuter your pets. Does your dog keep running out of your yard? Have an invisible fence that just doesn't work? You need a Pet Playgrounds dog fence. It's a physical fence that can be assembled by yourself or by one of our installers. The dig guard prevents dogs from digging under our fence. It's a strong yet flexible steel mesh system that moves. This stops dogs from climbing, too. Order your fence at PetPlaygrounds.com. Use code ANIMALRADIO to save 10% on any order that's 200 feet or more. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. During the commercial break, I was telling everyone about my dreams. And you notice they're really intriguing to you, and they make sense to you, but really no one else cares about your dreams. I'm just, as a little advice from the old Hellmeister, don't tell people your dreams. They don't care. <laughs> they look at you and weird, they? are weird, yes. <laughs> but I certainly want to know what my dog's dreaming about. Is my dog twitching, talking, kind of barking in his sleep, moving around? He's got to be dreaming, right? He's got to be. And what is he dreaming about? Could it be the new toy he got? Could it be the dog across the street who doesn't like him? I don't know what he's dreaming about. I can only speculate. And really, anyone can only speculate because we don't really know. But we have some ideas about their dreaming. And Dr. Deirdre Barrett will be joining us. She's a dream professor. A that's, dream? That's kind of a cool title. Yeah, that's uh, that's not really her title. <laughs> I, I made that up. I mean, she studies dreams, but in my mind, she's a dream professor. There you go. She will profess about dreams and the the dreams that animals have coming up this hour in just a few minutes, right after the news, in fact. What are you working on for the news this hour? Well, we're going to find out what pet parents would give up three days of vacation for. What is worth losing three days of vacation, according to a new poll? We'll tell you. The numbers are toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. If you'd like to talk to Dr. Debbie, go ahead and call now. But if you'd like to talk to Joey Villani, he takes calls. Yeah, I know he doesn't get a lot of calls, but he does take calls about your grooming problems. Not your grooming problems, your pet's grooming problems. Even but though he could probably answer you your with, grooming problems, yeah, too. Yeah, that lousy haircut you have, he probably could tell you what you need to do with it. I sure. can tell you what you can do with it, absolutely. <laughs> Especially the person who did it. That's our Joey. (laughs) You know, I got to tell you something on that note. You know, I usually go to the same place all the time to get my hair cut. And um, I tried somewhere else. And it was a much, much, much more expensive place. And they came highly recommended. All as I know is it was absolutely the worst. And when you mess with my hair... I, I'm not quiet about it. <laughs> I yeah. was pretty upset, I have to tell you. And you're never going back to Fantastic Sam's again, are you? No, never <laughs> again. So, listen, as you guys know, last week I was at one of the biggest pet shows in the world, Super Zoo, um, where they have thousands and thousands of vendors and, and things you've never seen before, and I pay a lot of attention to a lot of stuff in the grooming industry. So there's some products out there that I want to talk about. The first one... Is a company called iGroom. iGroom has a luxury line of pet grooming products from um, detanglers to um, hair sprays um, to 
colognes that um, I have to tell you I was wearing at night um, on the town in Las Vegas. That's how good that they smelled. Um, I mean, really, really beautiful line. Um, very, Is there anyone in very... here who doubts that? No, I don't no. think well, so. Well, I, I got yeah. to tell you something. It's it's It smelled great, and I've actually had people ask me what you're wearing. It, I'm going, it's a dog fragrance. And, of course, you know, people looked at me like I'm a weirdo, but they knew that there was a big show, pet show in town, so I got away with it a little bit. But anyway, very, very beautiful line, quality stuff. And you don't see this that often. See, I'm making a big deal about it because most of these products that you see are probably made by the same manufacturer. And what I mean by this, I think in the professional beauty industry for pets, probably 90% of all the shampoos, colognes, conditioners, sprays are made by two or three companies. And it's the same exact product with different um, scents and different, um, you know, um, um, colors and, and packaging. Well, this is actually a, um, a whole new line, a whole new product, and something that's really, really great for your pet skin and coat. And this is stuff you really like. You're not getting any kickbacks or anything like that, right? Like no, a year supply of cologne. You know, you know, I should call them up and say, hey, listen, you know, I yeah. want a little bit of kickback here. But um, no, I'm getting, I'm getting, I met these people at the show. I don't know who they are. Hey, so um, Remember, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So let's just uh, keep it on the down there, there you go. Please. There you go. Okay. But here's the thing that was, and, and this actually isn't out yet, um, but they had a prototype at the show, and it's supposed to be um, to the general public by the um, first quarter of next year. And it, was, it's, and it sounds crazy, and if anyone ever told me they invented this, I would say there's no way, but it's an electric brush. Now, the electric brush was extremely safe. I tried it on my skin. I tried out the prototype. I tried it out. And in extreme situations for dogs and cats being matted, it brushed out these pets safely with no irritation and was taking matting out that most groomers would say, there's no way we can get this out. How it, does it, it do that, Joey? You, you said you tried it's, it on it's, yourself. It's, well, I tried it on myself because this is what I wanted to see. Do not, you have matted hair it, anywhere? Like, no, like not, back hair? No, no. It's, Let me explain okay. and if you would keep quiet. Okay. Um, I put my elbow <laughs> on, on it because I want to see how it's gonna, how it's gonna irritate, if it's going to irritate the skin. If it's going to irritate the skin, it's going to irritate someone's elbow. I put my elbow on it. It's the elbow it, test. It actually, it actually stopped it. Okay, so there was no, and I didn't push it hard, just lightly. These, the, the, the design of it is ingenious. The pins that are made on the brush are rounded. They don't scrape. Um, I, if you would have showed it to me, I would say there's no way this works. And then we had dogs at the show, and they had a bunch. When I say a bunch, I'm talking about a few hundred rescue dogs were there. So what did Joey oh. do? He went around to the rescue groups and said, hey, let's, tr- let's try the product. And most of these dogs were extreme cases. And I watched something that would take me 20 minutes to come out in about three. Wow. Okay? We got a lot of dogs adopted. I, I got to tell you, um, you know, it was, it was successful. Mm, okay. I love you. Yeah, yeah, so do I. And I, the cologne, you're wearing it today, and it smells pretty good. I have do you- have it on. That's for you, Joey. Well, this scrumptious serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Their website's redbarninc.com. Thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. 
all dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because canine caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH-balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with canine caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com. Hi, this is Elaine Boozer on Animal Radio. Stay in to your pets and some of your exes. <laughs> <laughs> this is an Animal Radio News Update. And I'm Lori Brooks. The Animal Kingdom is getting its very own social network. But instead of vacation pics and baby announcements and all the stuff that we usually post, it's going to be filled with data that could help conservationists save species from extinction. This effort is called Wild Book, and it will be built to keep track of wildlife. In fact, they've already built it. And researchers can upload images that are taken from the field. In fact, uh, maybe some of your pictures are already on Wild Book, too, since the inventors of it combed sites like YouTube and Flickr for pictures and videos that people had posted from trips like whale-watching tours and even safaris. Then... Listen up. How cool is this? You can follow the same animals that you saw on on your trips. Because what Wildbook does is spot that exact same animal in different pictures that others submit. How can it do that? How can it do that? (laughs) Because it's like facial recognition, but it's animal face recognition. Okay. Pretty cool, huh? I'll I'll buy that. In fact... It's powered by artificial intelligence and uh, the same pattern software that can tell animals apart. It's really much like what they use on Facebook, which has algorithms that compare dimensions and points on the face to determine who's looking at what. So, however, it's not all photos taken of wild animals that uh, are so easy to identify or rather so difficult to identify because those that live in the ocean, you know, you see pictures of killer whales and such, but they you don't normally see their faces. But that's okay because... <laughs> Really, Wildbook applies its pattern recognition tool to other body parts, too. Like, uh, yeah, the stripes maybe on a zebra or the ridges on a whale's tail that commonly show up in photos and are features that are distinct enough for computers to tell apart these days. Uh, This truly is animal face recognition at its finest, and each animal will get its own profile so you can keep track of sightings made by others, too. I just think that is wonderful. You see a, a camel or a killer whale on a vacation, and if you can get onto Wild Book and, and post that photo, they'll they'll post it on the appropriate page, and then you can say, "Hey, I wonder how Acapulco, your favorite killer whale, is doing." <laughs> while you you know, and so you go and you look it up, and it's like, "Look what he's been doing since we saw him last time." Yeah, in theory, it sounds really great, but does it work? We'll see, right? <laughs> no, I think it, I. They're getting really great results for it. And what they can do for, you know, animal conservation is is amazing. Cool. All right. So this headline, maybe you saw it. I thought it was a little misleading at the beginning, uh, but this was a viral video not too long ago, and it was still so cute. And I bet even sparked a new dog trick idea for a lot of people. In that video, a police dog in Spain showed off its first responder skills by performing CPR on an officer who was playing dead. Now, here's here's how it happened. Poncho, 
the police canine puppy was the star of the video. And the video shows the officer just kind of suddenly dropping, falling to the ground and pretending to be unresponsive. So Poncho rushes in and he's wearing a harness with a, a flashing emergency light attached to it uh-huh. because he is the rescuer at this point. Of course. He runs over and begins pouncing up and down repeatedly on the officer's chest. And then every so often he would put his ear down by the officer's neck, you know, to actually he was getting close to the nose to determine whether he was breathing or not. It was perfect. Uh, Poncho continued these heroics until the officer who was on the floor stood up and gave him a treat. Mm. It's a great video. And those of you that know me, I don't do a lot of Facebooking or video watching, but this is a video that caught my attention. It's now on our Facebook page at Animal Radio, if you haven't seen it yet. If you're one of the uh, two or three that haven't seen it yet. Yeah. It's really cute. And I, I bet there'll be more dogs doing it, since I know a lot of people are always looking for new dog tricks to teach. As part of last month's Take Your Dog to Work Day, Ollie, which is a human-grade dog food company, polled animal lovers who currently aren't able to take their dog to the office just to see what would they be willing to do in order to gain that privilege. Well, one in four of those polled said they would give up three vacation days if it meant their dog would be allowed to go to the office. 70% of those pet parents in new pet offices said they would show up to work earlier if it meant they could bring their dog in. 68% said, hey, I'll stay later if I can bring my dog in. And two-thirds of those polled who couldn't bring their pets to work at this time said "Eh, they would be willing to switch to another company if it meant getting pet-friendly perks. Damn straight. I can't. I'm, we get to bring our, our, our pets to work here at Animal Radio, and it's well worth it. It sure Best is. Best thing you'll ever do. I quit yeah. my last job at Denny's so that I could work here. But they, didn't <laughs> let, they wouldn't allow me to bring my cat into Denny's. Can you believe that crap? Well, like, you would have cooked, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was the cook. Oh, and next hour we've got some stories on bringing your cat into Denny's and that kind of thing. Uh, reminds me of the story that we're going to be doing on emotional support animals and how irate the airlines are getting over them these days. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Pet Playgrounds, makers of the safe, reliable, real dog fencing system in the world. Dog trainers, veterinarians, and dog lovers highly recommend Pet Playgrounds to protect your dog. Their website's PetPlaygrounds.com. And thank you, Pet Playgrounds, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, Patricia. Hi. How are you? Oh, very well, but I have a question, two questions that are kind of eluding me right now. Okay. Okay. Sounds challenging. Let's go. (laughs) Good. Okay. Um, I have indoor cats, and I, I, I do a lot of, you know, now and then cat rescue, and I decided to let two of the rescued ferals stay in my backyard. And so the first question is, one of them I was told, I I actually took them from a rescue group, and I was told that one of them may have, may be FIV positive. And now she has turned into a little love bug, and she wants to come in. (laughs) And (laughs) she comes up to me and rubs all over me and practically lets me pick her up. So I'm guessing she was somebody's pet and kind of reverted to a feral mindset 
and now that she's had a place to be settled and good people taking care of her, she's going back to being friendly. But when I open the door, she tries to run in. And um, <laughs> She knows what's good, man. She's on her way. <laughs> she, 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 thank you. <laughs> Couldn't have said that better. And so what would... Would it be a bad idea to let her come in if there is an FIV positive test? Is the and the other piece I'll throw on there is that I think I read, I think I remember, or I think I heard that if they have had an, a vaccine for FIV, that their test may come up positive. But I am not sure about yep. that. Yeah, and, and that kind of comes to like why we have the suspicion of FIV, which is also really known as feline immunodeficiency virus. So it's similar to kind of like the HIV virus in humans. So FIV in cats, yes, um, we can get some false positives basically from a cat that's previously been vaccinated. Um, now there's reasons why people vaccinate, and this is just a side note, tends to be more in shelter cats, cats that are in high cat volume situations. It's not a real routine situation. So if we do get a, a positive test, there are some confirming tests we can do to kind of reassure us if we may have that or not. Um, but and this one was rescued from a shelter. Both of these were. Okay. So I guess the big thing is, you know, what's the risk with bringing this kitty into the home? Well, for FIV, it's typically spread through bite wounds between cats. So cats that live outdoors, that kind of have that fighting lifestyle, especially the male intact cats, they're the number one carriers of FIV. And in fact, 4% of outdoor feral cats are positive for FIV. 4%? So, wow. Yeah. So if you want to make this kitty an indoor cat and you have existing cats, there's a slight risk of acquiring that inside the home. Now, if they fight and this cat bites yours, absolutely, we can contract FIV that way. But through casual contact, drinking out of the same water bowl, grooming behaviors, there's really not a high risk of transmission of the virus, wow. fortunately. Yeah, so, agree. So, so that's a good thing. Now, any FIV positive cat, if they're a pet, I definitely recommend to keep them indoors so we can help decrease the exposure to other cats outside. So, um, you know, this might be a dual win-win um, in, you know, not only rescuing this cat, but helping save some of those other ferals out there from becoming FIV positive if they're, if they're not already. Yeah. But, you know, there's that slight risk for your kitty. So I, I, I would say, you know, you kind of have to recognize that and, and know your cats and see how they interact. Uh, whether or not this is a risk you'd want to take. Okay. Well, I really appreciate the information. Now I feel like I can make an informed decision. Good luck with that. I know how tough it is with ferals. We, we've brought in a few ferals ourselves. one 405 8405 to connect with any one of the Dream Team. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Pet Playgrounds. Pet Playgrounds makes physical, non-electric, do-it-yourself dog fence kits, not electric fences, and they offer professional installation services nationwide. Their website's PetPlaygrounds.com, and thank you, Pet Playgrounds, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. This is Glenn Close on Animal Radio, urging you to spay or neuter your pet. I just saved hundreds of dollars by switching to GEICO. I'm as happy as a clam. Disclaimer, GEICO cannot guarantee you will be, quote, as happy as a clam, unquote. The GEICO legal team cannot accurately verify clams even experience the complex human emotional state known as happiness. As an invertebrate mollusk living half submerged on the ocean floor with no arms, legs, or wireless access, what's there to be happy about? A clam's all like, oh, I'm so happy I didn't get turned into New England clam chowder today. Pronounced regionally as chowder. Chowder. Oh, that's
That's so fun to say. What were we talking about again? Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. And my heavily garlic-laced dinner last night is probably responsible for just some uh, an incredible night of horrible dreams. <laughs> I, I spent most of my night dreaming, and I feel I don't feel rested in the morning when I wake up, like I've been up all night. And this happens when I eat, you know, garlic. Lots of garlic. Lots of garlic. Okay. But my uh, cat, who sits next to me and sleeps next to me, Hates it because I'm moving around in bed. But I suspect there are times when my cat's dreaming himself. Because, I mean, why wouldn't he dream, right? Do you see him twitching? I do see him twitching. Uh-huh. And I, I also see him running, you know, like he'll move his legs. <laughs> and and I, got, I think it's a dream. I figured we'd get the expert on, Dr. Deidre Barrett. She is a author and psychologist uh, who teaches at Harvard. She's known for her research on dreams, hypnosis, imagery. And she's written on evolutionary psychology. Welcome to the show, Doc. Hi, nice to be here. So tell us, do do our pets dream? Uh, if your pet is a mammal, it dreams. Really? Uh, if your pet is a reptile or a fish, it probably does not dream. So all mammals but dream? Cats, yes. Oh, okay. What do they dream about? Do they dream about, uh, I would imagine my dog would dream about dog toys. Uh, that's a good guess. In human beings, we dream about the same things that we're most interested in when we're awake. So it's a very strong probability that dogs are dreaming about dog toys and their owners and running around in grassy fields for the ones that get to do that a lot, uh, dreaming about the apartment they're in all the time if they don't go out much. Um, so basically, they're dreaming about the things they did by day. There's a little more data on cats because some of the early research that demonstrated that everybody is paralyzed during REM sleep when dreams are happening, that was done in cats, and they were lesioning a paralysis center in cats. And then during every dream period, the cats would hop up out of sleep and but not awake, and they would stalk around and pounce, and it looked like they were chasing mice. So so we have even better data that cats dream about chasing and catching mice a lot. You talk about good things, dreaming about toys and stuff like that, but do dogs ever have nightmares? My dog cries sometime while she's sleeping. Uh, yes, they they. Humans have sad dreams and scary dreams, and there's no reason to think that that mammals, at least large enough to have similar midbrain areas for the same emotions that we do, are not having similarly sad or scary dreams. Um, and probably animals that have had serious traumas are having post-traumatic nightmares just like humans do. The, the only animals to ever allegedly report dreams are Coco the gorilla who just died and uh, a, a gorilla also living with Penny Patterson named Michael. And Coco used to sign fantastic things when she would wake up about people she hadn't seen in six months and cars flying through the air and just impossible things. And she never did that any other time of day. So Penny Patterson was quite convinced that 
these were dream accounts. And Michael does have a trauma history. All the gorillas in his group were killed by poachers and he was taken as an infant. And she says that Michael wakes up some mornings frantically signing bad people kill gorillas, bad people kill gorillas. And she thinks that's not only a memory, but that she thinks he's had it as a PTSD recurring nightmare, just like people who have traumas dream about that trauma over and over. So so we know more about the gorillas, but it's a good guess that similar things apply to cats and dogs. Of course, that's only speculative because I guess Coco and Michael have been the only animals that have spoken about or signed. Ever, yes. yes. They about- are the only ones that even allegedly have reported dreams to us. And the, the cat data of lesioning the area that paralysis paralyzes them during dreams and seeing them stalk around and pounce, that's fairly direct evidence of content. But except for those, the best we can do is generalize off people that just whoever and whatever is most important to you and anything you're doing, but especially any new skill you're learning shows up in your dreams a lot. So dogs who are going through dog training are probably you know, dreaming those commands and moves because people studying any anything currently are dreaming about it more than average content. So I know for me, doing away with the garlic at night, I'll have better dreams. Are there ways that we can help our pets have better dreams? Um, basically, things things that just make things pleasanter by dreams. You're 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 correct that any foods that really upset your stomach may produce unpleasant dreams, but mainly anything that makes you anxious by day is likely to give you anxiety dreams at night. So really the same things that you'd be doing to keep your dogs and cats comfortable and happy by day should carry over into their having more happy dreams and fewer anxious or sad ones. Mm. All very intriguing stuff. I kind of knew that they dreamed. Yeah, I mean, when when their little legs are moving and they're twitching, they had to be I just had to confirm it. (laughs) Dr. Barrett, thanks so much for spending time with us today. Okay, fun to be here. If you want to visit her website, it is DeirdreBarrett.com. Of course, links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.pet. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by author Helen Brown. In the tradition of her best-selling memoir, Cleo, Helen Brown's Bono, the amazing story of a rescue cat who inspired a community, is a heartwarming true story about a cat who just wanted a home and someone to love. Ah, it's my life story. Her website's HelenBrown.com, and thank you, Helen Brown, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, Tom Bodette, coming to you from one of those open offices. They're designed to make it easier to share ideas and, apparently, the details of Cody the intern's love life. So if you're looking for some space to call your own, try Motel 6. They have the low prices you've come to expect, plus the peace and quiet you so desperately crave. I'm Tom Bodette from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. And Cody, you can do better. Book online at motel6.com. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. When you think of a supermodel, you generally don't think about... 
Well, you don't think about the bugs that they hold in their hand and enjoy holding in their hand, the, the mealworms, the larvae, because most models won't. They'll squirm at the thought of bugs. Not the supermodel. Most humans do. I yeah. do. I do. You know, if there's a spider walking around, I call Judy immediately to remove that spider because <laughs> those things will freak me out. I know they're our friends, but they still freak me out. They have so many little legs. Eight, I hear. Uh, anyway, coming up this hour, supermodel, summer rain. How could I forget that? How could you forget that name, Hal? <laughs> she had creative parents. That's all. Um, and she has a chicken. She has a pet chicken that she absolutely loves, adores, takes with her everywhere she goes, and she feeds it mealworms. But that's okay because she's an entomologist. And I think chickens like mealworms. Yes, they do. So, I, I've yeah. pet set chickens, and they yeah. like their yeah. And I, I've, they're in a they in a, like a container, a plastic container. They're dried, and you just kind of shake them all over the ground. Oh, they, I think she's into live. Oh, well, I only I only do sure dead ones. You just keep them in the refrigerator so that they don't move. Oh. And then when you want them, you pull them out of the refrigerator, and then if they're at room temperature for long enough, they'll start moving. You see, oh. I kind of figured that you're going to relate to this guest because you're you're another of one of those gals that just likes ooey gooey, spidery, long legged, furry stuff. You know, if you have lizards or some birds, you have to be comfortable with insects because you know that's their food. So you have to be able to live with them. Because I had to actually have them in a tank uh, when I was in college, a separate tank where I kind of raised the crickets, and, uh, and then I had a separate place for mealworms, just so you could have the constant supply of food for your critter. So you know, uh, you were a catch in college. I understand. <laughs> if you want to talk to Doctor Debbie now about your animals or mealworms or bugs, you know, toll free one eight six six four zero five eight. 405. We'll take another call before we head to the news. And Lori, what are you working on? Hey, things are, are really heating up in that war with the airlines against emotional support animals and how that's going because, you know, they've had such a huge increase in the number of emotional support animals that are traveling now. It's causing them a lot of problems and they have turned their um, anger, I guess, over to the federal government and saying, hey, look, don't make us carry these pets. And so we'll tell you the full story on the way. Let's hit the phones. We have, which one are we going to? Debbie? Hi, Debbie. Hi. I have Dr. Debbie right here for you. Dueling Debbies. I have Dr. (laughs) Debbie right here. You two can duel away your Debbies. It's Debbie squared, right? (laughs) Yes. Um, I have a beagle, and she was diagnosed recently with some neurological condition. They don't know exactly what it is, but the reason I took her to the vet was because she sounds like when she's eating that she's gagging, even when she drinks water. She's coughing and gagging and... Occasionally, she'll act like she's going to throw up, but nothing comes up. And they did a, um, some of the muscles in the top of her head have atrophied, is what they said. And you can see, like, the bone sticking further out than it should be. Mm. And they did a muscle biopsy and a nerve biopsy. And they think it's just, um, it's not infection, but they haven't exactly got all the results back from the um, biopsies, and they've got her own antibiotics because she's got aspiration pneumonia, and I have to feed her by sneaking dogs in my hand or making mm-hmm. teeny tiny meatballs <laughs> and giving it to her, which is hard because I haven't found a, a ground dog food that makes into a meatball very well. Mm-hmm. So I just needed to know um, if you have any suggestions or if you think neurological issues are 
hereditary or is it going to be the rest of her life or what? Yeah. Now, when when you say that she's developed um, uh, an aspiration pneumonia, did they specifically diagnose her with what the what we would call a mega esophagus or a kind of a, a flaccid esophagus where food doesn't go down into the stomach as as it should? No, they said she got the food particles in her lungs is because the muscles in the back of her throat are weak due to this neurological condition. And that's okay. why she sounds like she's coughing when she tries to eat. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so. Part of the food in her lungs instead of going down where it's. Okay. Very good. I think I got a good picture of what's going on there, Debbie. And and definitely, um, I was actually, as you were saying some of these symptoms of what was going on, a couple thoughts in my mind of tests that I would be doing are actually what you're waiting on right now were some specific um, muscle testing. And, and definitely, yes, I do believe that what you're describing could fall into the category of a neuromuscular disease. So these might include diseases that are um, immune problems where uh, immune destruction occurs in different tissues, whether it's muscle, um, connective tissue, um, where have, where, wherever. Um, there can be also some infectious causes of problems. And being in the Southwest, we're very aware of some different fungal infections. And I have seen dogs that have had valley fever, which is a form of a fungal infection. And that can cause some different problems with um, muscle and neuromuscular problems, depending on where that settles in. Um, all that being said, you know, even though you have a young baby, I'd have to keep my eyes open for things like tumors or, or nodules or things like that. So I'm very happy that they did a muscle biopsy because that is one of the first things I would do once we get past some of these initial tests that they've very likely done at your veterinary office. Okay. That's well, I took her to um, UGA, the University of Georgia, the small oh, awesome. animal teaching hospital. Uh-huh. Because my vet just would put her on prednisone and antibiotics, and it would never get any better. So they referred her over there. Absolutely, so. yeah. And and it sounds like you're in a class of a, a, a situation with your dog that this is going to take some special testing. And and just like you know any human, um, you know sometimes we can be treated by our family physician, and other times we do have to call upon some specialties um, or some access to special tests, um, whether they're special blood tests or biopsies or what have you. Um, so yeah, and and there is a several different conditions, but there's a, a masticatory uh, myositis problem that. Basically, uh, um, I've seen in some dogs where they'll develop um, atrophied muscles. They can have a lot of pain upon opening their mouth. Um, So it is important to get an accurate diagnosis because we usually treat pretty aggressively with steroids, immunosuppressives, things like that. So um, in the meantime, I think it sounds like you're you're finding the right concoction of food substance um, that's going to be helpful for her to get that down. Um, if the little meatballs are best, some dogs do better with gruel, uh, kind of a watered-down canned food. Um, and other pets, it's it's a little easier if they've actually got some kind of a bolus of food, like those meatballs, to get that down. Yeah, um, they so. said that um, they had her licking it off their hand, but when I smeared it as thin as I could on my hand, she wouldn't lick. She'd bite, you know, just uh-huh. trying to bite it off in chunks. It hasn't. This hasn't affected her appetite, but um, is she in pain? You know, they did blood work, and all her blood work came back normal. Mm-hmm. So is this yeah. is this something? Because when we got her, she didn't – I have two beagles, and my oldest had the beagle head, but this one, her head has never looked 
like a normal beagle head to me, and I'm wondering, is this like something she was born with, and as she got older, it's just progressed? Is she in pain? Yeah. Is this, you know... Very possibly that, I mean, either situation. Some dogs with neuromuscular or neurologic disease may be completely pain-free. Um, things just don't work well. Um, but there are certain dogs with these same symptoms that can have pain. And um, physically, when I'm examining a pet with this kind of suspicion, if I try to open their mouth and they can't open their mouth, either it doesn't open fully or they're just ouchy and they cry, um, then we're definitely clearly dealing with a situation of discomfort in pain. So I would want to make sure we are attacking that aspect of things and at least using some different methods in pain control um, if it seems like she is in that kind of discomfort. But, uh, you know, again, I think a, a, just in physical exam, your veterinarian should should be able to tell that and whether or not um, pain medicine is even indicated for her. Okay. I have one other question. Is this like a lifelong condition? Very possibly, yeah. So most okay. of these conditions that are kind of in this whole bag of diagnostics and, and diagnoses, um, usually we try to control these diseases. So only in some rare cases will we find if there's an infectious cause um, or maybe a mass that can be removed, those type of things that can be cured and be done and over with. But yeah, usually it's kind of finding the right concoction of medicines and lifestyle changes to help make the pet comfortable. So. Okay. I appreciate it. Thanks for your All call, right. Debbie. Thank you. 1-866-405-8405. We're all here for you right now. Hi, it's Alan Cable with another dog tip. Last week, I promised to tell you what dogs need the most and that it wasn't love. The first is something we call socialization. So from the time he's a little puppy, make sure to bring him around as many people and as many different dogs as you possibly can and put him in as many different situations as you can. Take him on walks, take him to the dog park so that he comes in contact with many different people, kids, and other dogs. This will help you raise a calm, secure, confident dog. <laughs> Number two on the list, my neighbor Jason's dog sitting. He'll help illustrate. Jason, are you scared of that dog? Uh, do you have any proof of that, Ruler? It's okay, buddy. Just tell me what he's doing. He, I growled really sharply and like, like he jumped. Well, that leads into the second most important thing dogs need. They need a strong, confident leader. They need structure because they're pack animals. And dogs instinctively know that the only way they're going to survive is in a pack. And they want to know their place in the pack. So every now and then, you're dog's going to challenge you like this one's challenging Jason. And that's because the pack hierarchy never stays the same. So once in a while, your dog's going to try to redefine it, find his place in the pack again. This dog's pack is left, and because of that, the dog is testing Jason. And it's up to him to be strong, confident, and assertive, letting the dog know he's in charge. In your house, the humans have to be in charge, and the rules have to be the same for everybody. That means if your dog's not allowed on furniture, nobody in your pack can let the dog on furniture. It confuses them makes them anxious. All the rules have to be the same, and all the humans have to be in charge. He jumped to the kids <laughs> on, the, on my head. He's decided he's in charge, Jason. He's the pack leader. To change this, never let your dog walk in the house first. Don't let him pull you on a leash. He should always be walking at your side, maybe a little bit behind you. Be in charge of his food and ask him to sit before you put it on the floor. And don't let him have at it until you say it's okay and give him a signal. I'm not that way with dogs. <laughs> well, you need to learn how to do that, buddy. It's, it's simple. You, I don't have a dog. Well, you don't need a dog. You just have to speak dog. I'm going to go over to the neighbor's house and help Jason out. Next time, we'll talk about leash training and corrections. Does your dog keep running out of your yard? Have an invisible fence that just doesn't work? You need a Pet Playgrounds dog fence. It's a physical fence that can be assembled by yourself or by one of our installers. 
The dig guard prevents dogs from digging under the fence. It's a strong yet flexible steel mesh system that moves. This stops dogs from climbing too. Thousands of customers have used a Pet Playgrounds dog fence to keep their dogs safe over the past 10 years. Order your fence at PetPlaygrounds.com and use the coupon code ANIMALRADIO to save 10% on any order that's 200 feet or more. Visit PetPlaygrounds.com and get your dog fence in 10 days or less. Ship it to your door in 10 days or less. Visit PetPlaygrounds.com for the best. Visit PetPlaygrounds.com and get your dog fence in 10 days or less. At Red Barn, our pet food ingredients work overtime. They aren't just there for show. Dandelion greens work to maintain a healthy digestive system. Salmon oil works to enhance the immune system. Green-lipped mussels work to support joint health. These hard-working ingredients support your dog's active, healthy life. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Visit RedBarnInc.com to save a dollar on Red Barn grain-free canned food. Hi friends, this is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is fear-free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagon tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified fear-free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. When Helen Brown ran away to New York City, she had no idea that a homeless cat with a punk rock haircut would teach her the true meaning of love. In the tradition of her best-selling memoir, Cleo, Helen Brown's Bono, The Amazing Story of a Rescue Cat Who Inspired a Community, is a heartwarming true story about a woman without an anchor and a homeless cat without much hope of finding a forever home in the city that never sleeps. Bono by Helen Brown is on sale now everywhere books are sold. Learn more at HelenBrown.com. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. It's Animal Radio, and once again, it's about the chickens. In just a few minutes, we're going to be talking to Summer Rain. She's a supermodel and a chicken parent. She has a chicken that she she loves. You know what? We should tell her about the chicken clother. Oh, yeah. I'll do that. Julie oh, yeah. Baker, the chicken yes. dressmaker. Okay. There might be something that you should see if you can get a cut on this. Because a supermodel promoting. kind of promoting her chicken clothing uh-huh. on her chicken, which she takes everywhere. Maybe I'm I sure could... she taught the chicken how to strut her stuff, too. I you bet know? you she yeah. did. She probably could do the chicken walk. <laughs> well, she is on the way, so stick around for that. But first, something a little more serious. Noise phobias. And for that, we welcome back Dr. Elise Christensen. She's a board-certified veterinary behaviorist, and in fact, the only board-certified veterinary behaviorist in both Colorado and New York City. Doctor, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. So I wanted to talk a little bit about noise phobias. This is the time of year around here where we get these afternoon thunder showers, and the the thunder is great. It's very romantic (laughs) for us humans, but for the dog and the cat, even my cat goes and runs under the bed, 
And I'm yeah. wondering, what can we do? Gosh, it's a great question, and it's such a common problem. So there's a variety of different noises that animals can be fearful of, but thunderstorms can be one of the most challenging because we can't predict when they're going to happen. And it seems like a lot of these animals predict even faster than we ever could when a storm is going to happen. Sometimes we think maybe potentially through being conditioned to the bariatric pressure changes, et cetera. There's lots of great treatments for noise aversions or fears related to specific noises, everything from from you know, traditional desensitization and counter conditioning that's done with behavioral therapy by a skilled behavior modification person or a veterinary behaviorist. Or you may even be using a medication, especially for our noise phobias that are associated with thunderstorms because we need something to help stop the panic now. One of the troubles with these things is that, especially with the storms, is that if we don't catch them and help these patients feel better, is they can get worse over time. And not just worse with that trigger, but they can do what, I mean, gosh, I don't know what other people call it, but I just call it collecting triggers. You know, first it's just the rain and the thunder, and then it's becoming just flashing lights of any kind mm. or even the sound of other sirens or when the family tries to um, close the blinds, anything that might be associated with the storm or associated with other noises or light flashes. So um, we can end up in situations where these pups won't even go outside. So what do you think about items of clothing? There's an anxiety wrap. There's the thunder mm-hmm. shirt. Do these yeah. work? You know, it's a great question. I mean, there are some studies out there on um, a couple of these different items. And it turns out that they can work for some creatures, um, for some of our patients, but they won't necessarily work for every patient. And so if it's not helping relatively quickly, then I think that's a time where if you're doing something over the counter, like some type of body wrap, and you're not seeing a decrease in the intensity or the frequency of this clinical signs, you know, common signs of these just you know, for, for your um, listeners who don't know, like the dogs are clingy or hiding, panting, that might be whimpering, cowering. A lot of times we see that they might come up to their owners and what looks like they're looking for attention. But when the owner tries to give them attention, it doesn't work. Like the dog just seems very restless. So um, when we're seeing those things, if you are going to go ahead and try a wrap of some type, we'd like to see those things decrease pretty quickly within minutes. And if not, then, you know, maybe we try it for one more storm or one more noise event. But if that isn't sufficient, then we really probably should talk about how common these noise events are, how often is this patient going to be exposed at a level that's going to trigger these symptoms. Because every time the patient is exposed and has these symptoms, it's toxic for the brain, right? Aside from the anxiety wrap, Mm-hmm. What other treatments are there for this kind of noise phobia? Great question. So um, when you see veterinary behaviors, for instance, usually we talk about a variety of different things. So we might talk about pheromone therapy, such as for dogs, adaptal, for cats, there's um, a few different versions that may be helpful depending on other behaviors that the cat may have. Um, in the land of dogs, we have um, a medication that's approved for noise aversion. So we have um, Cilio, which is approved for use for noise aversion, and that can work in around 30 minutes, which is great. Dr. Debbie has a uh, an app on her phone that has the sound of thunder and she does this mm-hmm. thing with her dog where she will play the thunder sound and then give mm-hmm. it treats. Uh, mm-hmm. do, do you recommend desensitization and what other forms are there of it? Yeah, you can definitely do desensitization. One of the tricks is making sure that whatever trigger you're using is something that the patient responds to. And we know that even for storms, desensitization and counterconditioning, like we're playing the sound at a very, very low volume, ideally one that the patient is not responding to at all. So you don't see any of that pacing, whining, cowering, 
excessive scanning, um, hypervigilance, all that stuff. You don't see any of that. It just looks like happy, friendly dog, feeling comfortable, able to play games, able to eat. Um, so yeah, you might play the the noise, in this case, the thunder. And then within one to two seconds after playing it, you get food or initiate a game for one or two reps. And then when the patient is comfortable with that level of the trigger long enough, I would say at least five reps, then you could go ahead and increase the intensity of the sound. So elevate the volume. Um, when you're working on that, though, at the same time, the patient may actually be exposed to the trigger. And that's where having, you know, our other tools and our behavior therapy for, say, teaching the animal to go someplace where they feel the safest. Like a lot of dogs choose a bathtub. So we may say, okay, well, you know what? You already like the bathtub. So we're going to make that super awesome. We're going to practice sending you there and let you have some treats and maybe a food puzzle or something there on a daily basis so that it's not only for storms. And then you could even layer on your desensitization and counter conditioning with that if you wanted to. There is a lot of great information there. If you missed any of it or you just tuned in during the middle, you can head on over to animalradio.pet to learn and listen again. Dr. Elise Christensen, thank you so much for spending time with us again. My pleasure. You guys have a great day. Take care. Thank you. This portion of Animal Radio was underwritten by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. This is Animal Radio, baby. We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food, but we can tell you alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis, reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease, keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer. And those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine Caviar. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. At least two major air carriers, American and Southwest Airlines, are urging the federal government to no longer require them to allow emotional support animals, sometimes called ESAs, on board their planes. The flight industry group Airlines for America, which represents American and Southwest, has told the Transportation Department in Washington, D.C., that it needs to narrow the definition of service animals to, quote, trained dogs that perform a task or work for an individual with a disability. And that new definition, they say, would eliminate federal guarantees for all comfort emotional support animals, which can now get into the cabin of a plane and be outside of their kennels as well. The group is also asking the Department of Transportation to go further and follow the Justice Department in defining service animals as only trained service dogs, and that would exclude comfort or emotional support pets altogether. Well, according to Airlines for America, the Transportation Department's failure to differentiate between service animals, which are trained to perform a function as well as to behave appropriately, and untrained ESAs, they say has created a huge and still growing problem for air transportation, which causes threats to the health and safety of flight crews and their passengers. Former President George H.W. Bush, the one who is 94 now, is welcoming a new member to his family, a yellow Labrador retriever named Sully, 
who will be his first service dog. And, and Sully is a, is a real and highly trained and skilled service dog. They say Sully can open doors, pick up items, and summon for help. The nation's 41st president currently is using a wheelchair plus an electric scooter in order to get around since he's developed a form of Parkinson's disease. And by the way, if you want to check him out, Sully has his own Instagram account. And researchers have published a new study in the journal Animal Cognition. It translates for us some of our dog's most common gestures. In fact, 19 gestures in all. The body language for what they describe the pet me gesture is actually a lot of different gestures made by a dog, such as when they roll over in front of you or press their nose against you, if they are licking you, or if they lift their paw and put their paw on you, or even gently bite your arm. Those are all, please pet me, body gestures or body language. Uh, There are a few gestures that dogs have for saying, feed me, including using their snout or nose and head to move your hand to their body. I always thought that was pet me, but apparently I'm wrong. Um, Holding a paw in the air while sitting is another thing. Or standing on their hind legs also will tell you, or they're trying to tell you, feed me. Now, here's a few other indicators that it might be time for you to bring out some toys or play with me gestures. Those would be briefly touching you with one paw repeatedly, kind of like how a child taps you to get your attention, or wiggling their body beneath a a person or an object. That's their Play with me, body language. And we can't forget the jumping up and down in the same location. Lori, I got a problem with this because to me, these are like glaringly obvious (laughs) if you've ever owned a dog. This isn't something I think has to be published in a journal. It's like if you've had a dog and they punch you with their foot, they want something. (laughs) Well, check out the Journal of Animal Cognition, Dr. Debbie. That's where you will find it. Research dollars at their best. Yep. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at animalradio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Is she on? Do, do you have her? Yes, I do. Oh, this is so cool. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce to you Summer Rain Oaks, the amazing model, and her chicken. What is your chicken's name? Uh, my chicken's name is Kippy. Kippy. I love it. So Kippy is probably hanging around your shoulders. Where is Kippy right now? Well, I'm in my soundproof booth, so she's outside the soundproof booth. <laughs> but usually you're together, right? Um. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, I've had... I had been fostering Kippy for about a year, but the good news is, is that, uh, I've recently raised enough funds in order to build her a proper coop, which is really nice. (laughs) Well, now most people have dogs or cats as pets. You, uh, accidentally fell into a, a situation where this is just your best friend. Yeah, it didn't start off that way. I mean, really the story on how I got, uh, Kippy in the first place was because I'm part of this community garden and, there was a bird caught in one of the inhumane rat traps that was set out by one of the gardeners. And I brought it up to the rehabilitation center here in New York called the Wild Bird Fund. And when I was up there, this little chicken 
just came and jumped on my lap. Very friendly chicken. Um, and that was, you know, what became known as uh, Kippicha, which is Dutch for little chicken. But she's no longer a little chicken anymore. So I just call her Kippy for short. And um, yeah, you know, I did. I, I, I was raised uh, with chickens growing up, but um, I never had one like really fully imprint on me. And um, Kippy was described to me as more of a people's chicken than a chicken's chicken. And, and I think she must've been imprinted on somebody else. So I ended up fostering her when she was about three or four weeks old. And, you know, we've kind of been together ever since she's a little, she's a little over a year now, about a year and a half. Someone is showing me a picture right now of you on the subway with a chicken. (laughs) What, What do people usually, how do they react when they see you traveling around with a chicken? I think most people in the city are so disconnected from, farm life that it is such a surprise i've had a lot of people say oh you've just made my day um <laughs> or oftentimes i'm traveling with kippy and then you'll hear oh my god that was a chicken like in the back <laughs> as you're as you're you know, kind of walking away and um and it is it's such a surprise and delight for people uh some folks have you know raised chickens when they were younger and they have you know mixed reviews some of them had a bad run in with like very territorial roosters or, you know, they wouldn't um, their chickens were, you know, a little bit more aloof and you wouldn't be able to pick them up. Um, Kippy's not like that at all. She's not I wouldn't say that she's cuddly, but she definitely likes to be pet and um, and she likes to be around people. And uh, and I think she considers people her flock. Um, I, you know, this new coop that I have her in, there are some hens that are there but i call them enemies they're not like quite her friends <laughs> they're not quite her enemies they're kind of somewhere in between um but she kind of just like stays on the periphery and um and yeah and she she's in and out of the coop now like last night it was so hot it's like 100 degrees here in new york and i she slept in my house you know because it's air conditioned air conditioned so it's good for her you know what i just put something together last week we had julie baker the chicken dress maker on the air yeah her website was called pamper Pamper, your poultry pamper your poultry and she made chicken diapers too chicken tutus all kinds of things i'm thinking that if julie is smart she would get a model to help her promote her line of chicken clothing do you have any chicken clothing chicken uh accessories right now well, I have to tell you that I tried the chicken diapers on Kippy right when she was young because obviously she was like she's you know living in my house and I have carpets and everything along those lines but she hates having things on her and I've I've talked to a lot of people who kind of make these things and they're like no 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 you have to let them suffer through it but I can't let my bird suffer through it because she just looks so dejected and she you know, walks around and then falls over and then pecks her feathers out because she's trying to get this thing off of her and I was like and I've tried it multiple times and I was like I can't do it and um so Kippy like really refuses to wear things but I think that it's also part of each individual chicken's personality there's some that you know will just sit on your lap and cuddle with you there's others that are more high strung. There are some that are more aloof. It really, I think, depends on the chicken's personality. But I, Kippy has gone to a number of my photo shoots and have, has obviously been in a number of photo shoots. I mean, she's shot everything from like a bidet commercial to um, 
to celestial seasonings tea. Um, and it just is by a byproduct of kind of being around me and me having to take her everywhere. And I just want to be clear that she is not my emotional support hen, but I do call <laughs> myself the emotional support human for, for her because, um, she, you know, she has detachment issues and, but we've worked on, we're, we worked on that. And, you know, in order for me to get her into a coop, um, I slept in the coop for two nights just so that she could, oh my gosh. she could just, uh, acclimate and know that it's actually a safe place to, to sleep. And that made all the difference. And, you know, I think when you're so connected to an animal, whether it's a hen or not, you understand kind of psychologically what they're going through and you want to be able to assuage, you know, their pain or anguish or anxiety. And, and I, I think that by doing that um, and sacrificing two nights sleep for myself, um, that was actually uh, made all the difference. Hold on a second. We are with Summer Rain Oaks, supermodel Summer Rain Oaks. I can say she's a supermodel. It says model here, but I say she's a supermodel. <laughs> There's more on the way. Stick around. Do you travel with your dog? Of course. My pets are part of our family. Me too. I take Daisy with me everywhere. Right, Daisy? So how do you find out what hotels welcome your dog? I read Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Sounds perfect for planning our next vacation. Right, Daisy? It is. Their motto is leave no dog behind, and they have great hotel and destination reviews. Where can I find the magazine? Go online to FidoFriendly.com. I will for sure. Come on, Daisy. We're off to find our next adventure. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets and our chickens. Once again, it's the chicken. And we are with supermodel Summer Rain Oaks. And Summer has one very, very lucky pet chicken. Not without its problems, though. So your chicken has separation anxiety. Yeah, heavily so. And I had watched a ton of YouTube videos on dog separation anxiety. And I think that you just have to deal with it probably slightly differently. And yet some some of the same ways as well. I talked to a lot of people who um, had hens who had imprinted on them. And one person had said to me, oh, it took about a year for my one hen to separate from me. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't have another year <laughs> where I have to carry a chicken around my neck every I only had left Kippy alone for two hours for like a whole year. Um, and I think it goes to show you that like chickens, you know, are social creatures. And it's part of the reason why they live in flocks and all this other kind of stuff. But um, but they do make such great companions, I think, for that reason. Um, is that you could you you share a little bit of this sociality with the hen, and they are definitely much more attentive and connected than I would say, like even a cat, for instance. Yeah, your apartment is full of what seven hundred plants or or so, and uh, because you're you're into plants, you actually wrote a book called uh, "How to Make a Plant Love You: Cultivating yes. Your Personal Green Space." Yeah. That will be coming out, actually, it, you could pre-order it, but that'll actually be coming out next year. But yeah, I'm working on a plant book, and um, my last book was actually on cooking called Sugar Detox Me to help people reduce their sugar intake. And um, and the plant stuff has always just been how I live my life. I'm an environmental scientist and entomologist by training, and so living in the city uh, and away from my country home, I, I grew up in the country uh, one of the ways that I've kind of been able to combat that is by, you know, bringing plants indoors, which was also a very um, challenging thing, having Kippy indoors because yeah. she'd like to mow over quite a few of my plants 
I have some videos of her and some of my, my plant friends are like, Oh my God, <laughs> you know, um, be still my heart with, uh, you know, the way that she kind of mows things over. So I have a lot of plants with like notches out of them. I mean, she really destroyed my Diffenbachia, which is something that is typically poisonous to humans and dogs and cats. But for whatever reason, it had no effect on my, my chicken. So, you know, I needed to remove a lot of my plants from the floor for fear of Kippy eating them all. Do you have a significant other other than uh, Kippy? <laughs> I do, yes. <laughs> and does he or she uh, get into the, the whole chicken thing? Or is there any jealousy? Well, you know, he's he's he gets a little bit frustrated with it, particularly because uh, her egg song. Now, if you're familiar with that, they have an egg song, and it's not necessarily the most beautiful of songs, but I think it hits at a specific pitch or tone that really irritates him. (laughs) So I have to be, like, cautious around the time that she's about to lay an egg, and it's not like as if she lays an egg every time at 7 a.m. or whatever. Sometimes it's a little bit later in the day, so it can be unpredictable as to when, you know, somebody should be home. Um, be, you know, listening to the not so beautiful egg song that, that chickens have. <laughs> Summer, you're also an entomologist. You don't meet a lot of women or I haven't who would enjoy the study of bugs. How'd you get into that? <laughs> you don't meet many people who are interested, let alone uh, men or women. I, I think I had eight people graduating in my entomology class <laughs> at Cornell University. Um, I had always loved insects. I always loved things that were kind of a little bit more um, the creepy or the crawly or uh, things that people often overlooked. Like for a while there, I thought I wanted to go for mycology, which is the study of fungus. So I liked all of that. I mean, in the end, I kind of studied more ecology, which is, you know, the study of systems, biological systems. So um, it kind of encompasses all of that good stuff. But Really, the entomology thing, I, I didn't even know if I wanted to, to take it at Cornell, but then I took one class with a great guy named Cole Gilbert. And, you know, he's this kind of tall, you know, dude with like, he would always wear khakis and a Hawaiian shirt, and he had these like nice shiny loafers. And we were walking around BB Lake, which is one of the lakes up in um, Ithaca, and we had our, our bug nets. And then he's like, oh my God, whirligig beetles. And he literally hoisted his body into the water. Um, up to his chest, you know, chasing after a beetle with a bubble on its butt. And I was like, oh, my God, if anybody gets that passionate about, like, insects after all this time, I'm like, I'm there. So that was, like, really the first class that kind of brought me in and, you know, wanted me to, um, you know, like, you know, encouraged me to kind of study it and not just something that um, that I, you know, was doing on the side. You have to feed Kippy mealworms and uh, other larvae and stuff that would make most women just squirm. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, we are, of course, like, generalizing, but I, I yes. do I think it would mo- make a lot of my guy friends squirm, too. Yep. I mean, and even when even in um, but insects are such a you know big por- portion of our environment. And I also release a lot of beneficial insects in my house because when you start to get 700 plants, you start to get you know, you having to deal with spider mites and thrips and all these other types of things. And I always tell people some of the best ways to fight pests is actually by bringing in beneficial insects like green lace wings and other things. Um, but yes, Kippy really enjoys. Uh, I think people are shocked that they realize that chickens are not vegan and or vegetarian. If it's one of Kippy's favorite foods is what you had mentioned, mealworms. 
and she really loves the live ones versus the dried ones. And Aww. she makes these, she makes these little like sounds when when I feed her the live ones, and I could tell she's get gets very excited. I don't think you're going to get your deposit back. I'm just telling you that right now. <laughs> Summer Rain Oaks, thank you so much for joining us today. We we had so much fun. Hopefully, we we'll got to do it again and give Kippy a big old hug from all of us. Will you? I will. Thank you so much. Okay, it's time for us to get on out of here. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you need your fix during the week, and we all need our fix, head on over to animalradio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm not saying goodbye today because I've had too much fun and I don't want to leave. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.